Hello and welcome to Spotlight On. I'm your host, Lawrence Purrier. I'm joined in the spotlight today by Caitlin Sandino. Caitlin is a former competitive swimmer, Olympic gold medalist, world champion, and former world record holder. She's a motivational speaker, a coach, a sports commentator, MC, and host for world-class sporting events. Caitlin is currently general manager of the DC Trident, a professional team in the International Swimming League. And now, she's host of Behind the Blocks, a recently launched podcast featuring female athletes from the world of competitive swimming. Caitlin and I dove into all this work and so much more. I hope you enjoy our talk. Lawrence, hello. Caitlin, how are you? I'm doing fabulous. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thank you so much for making time. Yes, absolutely. Sorry, I'm just going to start this. I was... (laughs) Please forgive me. I'm in my bedroom. I was inside of my um, my office, and they have construction right outside of um, my <laughs> my window. And I was like, "Well, that's not going to work." <laughs> <laughs> well, I was. That's so. It's funny because I was holding my breath. The uh, the landscapers were outside in the uh, development that I live in. And I think they literally stopped about three minutes ago. So. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you feel my pain right now. <laughs> Tragedy averted. I know. Tragedy averted. Work from home problems, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the, the perils are nonstop. Um, <laughs> how, are you, uh, how are you and yours holding up throughout this craziness? You know, we, we are on a, a wild roller coaster as my middle sister was diagnosed with breast cancer in November. So she got through four chemo treatments before we got into uh, quarantine and just made it exceptionally hard on our family. Um, You know, obviously on my sister, just to not really have her support system being able to go with her and then for me just feeling so helpless, like how how am I supposed to be there for her? So just trying to, you know, in the end, stay positive, stay optimistic and just support her as well as we can, but as you know, it's hard. It's hard to support from a distance, um, especially when you're just so used to always being there. I mean, we live about thirty minutes apart, and you know, just simple things from when she wouldn't feel good after chemo. We, I would just lay in bed with her and we just watch TV, um, and so not being able to do that and not sitting with her during chemo. So that's been the hardest part, um, I would say, for our family. But then we had a very amazing emotional moment where her husband and I coordinated a car parade after her final treatment. And that was just absolutely incredible. The turnout was surreal. It was powerful. It was really moving. It was very touching. And not only for my sister, I mean, my sister was just like absolutely blown away, but people that participated in it reached out to me, thanking me, like, thank you so much. I needed that. That was the highlight of my quarantine. And that was so special. That was so great to be a part of. So you can just tell like our community needed it just as much as my family. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I, I appreciate you bringing it up because I saw that you had posted um, on social media a few times about how your sister was doing. And um, I wasn't sure, um, you know, I, I wanted to ask you about it. So thank you for, for bringing that up. How is she doing now? Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I, again, the, the roller coaster begins uh, or never ends, I should say, because then we are in this, you know, high of celebrating, whew, what a relief we got through that part. And now the realization that surgery is in three weeks. And again, that's a whole nother 
challenging time to be in a hospital with a surgery that you have yeah. to have. And she's like, I don't want to be in the hospital. And, and she actually, I mean, she could never catch a break from the beginning. She ended up getting blood clots is in the hospital for that. And so because she's on blood thinners, they want to keep her overnight. And, you know, we have to just drop her off and leave. Like there's no waiting room for us to sit in. So she's very emotional right now. She's very fragile, but, um, you know, my mom got through this about three years ago and, my, I keep telling my sister, I'm like, Cam, you know you're stronger than mom, right? It's kind of our ongoing <laughs> joke. <laughs> Nothing against our mom, but it's kind of one of those like, girl, you got this. If mom can do it, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to do that between sisters, I think. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's maybe use that as a, an entry point into some of the other um, some of the other impacts of the current situation. Um, I wanted to get your take on a couple of sort of broader topics. And then I, I also want to make sure that um, we talk a little bit about some of your current uh, projects. But I'm really curious as to what your perception or experience has been with um, how the pandemic situation is impacting athletes. Mm -hmm. And my first question is um, your, your thoughts or, or any experiences, conversations you've had with high school and college athletes who right. are maybe like, you know, this is their, their sort of last moment, you know, they weren't going to continue in college or they weren't going to continue on professionally. And right. it's something that I find particularly heartbreaking in this, um, whether it's student athletes or student performers who aren't going to get to do, you know, the senior play or mm -hmm. the final competitions. And um, I'm just curious as to if you've, if you've spoken to people and, and, you know, how does that feel? What's that look like? Right. Definitely. I think you nailed it when you said heartbreaking. My heart just sank when I saw that the NC2As was being canceled. I mean, it was the week of, and I did speak to a lot of graduating seniors. And I think what the overlaying emotion was anger at first, you know, really angry and upset and, and sad. Um, a lot of tears and, um, but, uh, but at the same time, I got a sense of team more than ever. M most of them mentioned, well, my teammates and I, and my coach and I, and you know, they weren't going through this alone. And that is something that I was keeping, you know, kind of keeping my hopes a little bit higher is that, you know, everybody's in this together. And I know that's becoming so cliche and I know that's kind of everybody's saying over and over again, but I can't think of a time where you can honestly say that everybody is in this together and that your hardship is somebody else's hardship and, and it's affecting everyone in, in very similar ways for athletes. The part that was a kicker was that in between when they didn't know the time between NC2As and the Olympics and the Olympic trials. And they're in this weird in between where they're not allowed to be training. They weren't allowed to be in a pool, but then they're being told, well, no, don't worry. The Olympics will continue. Like we're going to still have the Olympics. So they're scrambling to try to find training facilities. And, you know, for example, my mother-in-law, she doesn't know much about swimming. And she's like, well, is it really that big of a deal if they're not in the water for a little bit? I was like, it's huge. It's everything. And, and, you know, she's like, well, you know, the Olympics are so far away. You know, this was in March when it was happening. The Olympics are so far away. Like, why do we have to make these decisions so far, so far out? And it's like, because they can't train. If they can't train. You're not going to be at your best and you're not going to be able to show the world what you are capable of doing. So the fact that they're out of the water, it, it's a feeling thing. Like for swimmers, if they don't swim like on Sunday, they don't feel good on Monday. I mean, it's really that it's, I don't know if it's the element of there's something about our sport where it's a touch, it's a feel in the water and being out of the water just really throws 
you off your game. So they were in this scramble of, I need a pool, I need a pool. You know, the Olympics are still happening. And my heart really broke for them then because, yeah, you have a couple superstars that are, you know, sneaking into people's backyard pools or have little side <laughs> setups. But then you have other swimmers that don't have those opportunities or they have more stricter environments or, you know, nobody's backyard pool or anything. And then, then you're really saying that's not fair. Um, so I almost feel like everybody kind of took a deep breath when it, everything was postponed. The sense that I got was almost relief. It's like, well, at least now we know. And they needed some time to decompress and wrap their head around that and then regather, refocus, reorganize, and then push forward. The great part right now is it's not canceled. It's postponed. So they still have something to work towards. Um, although there are rumors that ultimately it could be canceled, but from the athletes I have spoken to, they're all going to keep doing what they can do outside the pool to help them with that transition when they can get back into the pool and then march on for the Olympic Games next year. But, you know, those seniors that don't, that they don't get that quote unquote last meet, they were crushed, you know, and, and I get that. How, how do you, how do you ever redeem that moment, you know, and I spoke to the, the reigning NC2A Women's Swimmer of the Year. She was, that her junior year. So heck yeah, she was pumped for her senior year. And then to speak to her, she was just like, yeah, I did. I didn't want to talk to anybody for a little bit. You know, I reached out to her being the GM of the professional swim team because I was trying to recruit her for my team and just mm -hmm. didn't hear from her for a little bit. And I was like, you know, I just want you to know, I support you. I understand that what you're going through is just probably just a wave of emotions when you're ready to talk. And she said, you know, I really appreciated that. Like there was people reaching out to me and I felt like I had to get back to them so quickly, but like, she's like, I just wanted to catch my breath. Um, so I was just trying to be as supported as, as being as supportive as I could um, be, you know, a veteran of the sport and still being involved in the sport and just listening and just, just sending random messages. Like just once you know, I'm thinking of you sending you positive eyes, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, and, and I got some really amazing feedback for that. Like just, you know, swimmers just being really grateful. Like, thank you. You know, that really means a lot. Yeah, of course. I, I'm curious also as to, um, you know, you talked about the Olympics Let's pretend for a minute that um, there's there's zero noise about the Olympics being canceled. And, okay. and the Olympics are going to happen next year. What does that mean in terms of the disruption sort of to the cadence of a life that's built around <laughs> not only preparing for the Olympics, but all of the individual sort of milestones leading up to it, the, the meets and the qualifying and the trials? Um, how do you just – I understand you can pick up the event and move it a year, but how do you move – the individual's preparation and mindset and like, I mean, that's, that makes for a very unique Olympics, I would think, and a very unique Olympic experience for the athlete. Absolutely. And if, 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 if there's what, if there's one thing about athletes, they're structured and they're used to game plans and they're used to schedules. And then you just totally rocked the world, flipped it upside down. The Olympics happen every four years. So <laughs> that's a game plan in itself. I mean, there are coaches that write out, two, three year plans, usually that kind of the year, you know, most furthest out is kind of like, all right, let's get you back into the groove of things. But I, again, I think what it comes down to, and I've always thought this way about athletes, the difference between a good and a great athlete is how they overcome adversity and how they handle mental challenges. Yes, there are some physical challenges with this post being postponed because of, you know, the aspect of not being in a pool, as I shared, but mentally, who's going to step up to this, the strongest. And I think that is in itself going to be like, okay, 
again, everybody's been in the same boat. Everybody had the same obstacles to overcome, but who mentally flipped that switch? Who mentally was like, all right, one more year. And the way I'm trying to explain it to athletes that I have relationships with is instead of like, oh my gosh, one more year. It's like, yeah, one more year, get faster, stronger, more mature, more experienced, more, you know, mentally prepared. Like let's use that one more year to get better. Again, easier said than done. Uh, somebody asked me, Caitlin, what would you do in this situation? And I said, it, de- it depends what year, Caitlin, you're talking to. <laughs> if it was circa 2000, my first Olympic Games, you know, 17 years old, the plan was to keep swimming and keep swimming and keep swimming. Nothing would have changed for me. If this was circa 2008, where my plan was to be done after 2008 Olympic Trials Olympics, I don't know what I would have done. Because honestly, by the end of my career, I was so ready to be done that year. My body hurt. I was broken down. I was injured. I kept getting sick. And quite frankly, the love of the sport had really dissipated. And so I don't know if I would have been able to hang on one more year. Um, my, my, my sweet spot, 2004, where you know, I really swam my best, I would have hung on another year. You know, I was rocking and rolling. I felt strong. I was confident. I had overcome a lot of adversities, a lot of injuries. Um, I was just now getting into a groove. I probably would have been even better giving myself one more year because I literally had just overcome some injuries. Um, so that, like you had brought up, like it, it's such a game plan, right? And, and there's some athletes I've reached out to that were planning on being done this year. And they're like, I think I need to find a job. And I was like, who's hiring? You know what I mean? Yeah. Too, though. Yeah. Um, and that, and I don't, I didn't, I said, I literally said that to one young man and I was like, I don't mean to be rude, but, and not to say that nobody's not, but, uh, I mean, if it was me, I'm like, just keep swimming, man, <laughs> let the economy <laughs> kind of shake itself back together. I think that's a fascinating point actually, is that in this time, like what else can you really do? Mm-hmm. Um, so in a way it is a, it is an opportunity, um, because there aren't as many maybe temptations or distractions or options. Um, and I know that not everybody has the same socioeconomic luxury to look at the world that way, but um, it, is a, it is an interesting opportunity for people in the, in the right situation. I've thought a lot about um, that sort of group of people you refer to who are maybe on the bubble and are at the tail end of their competitive lives. And like a, a year can feel like so much. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I spoke to um, to Coach Marsh a few weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, there's people who were thinking like, you know, I'll be done at the end of Tokyo, and maybe I'm going to be enrolled in school in September, or I've got a job lined up, or an internship, or, you know, people have made commitments and, you know, thought, you know, maybe they're planning a family. There's like, it's yeah. not just about any one event. It's, uh, it's in the context of, you know, a larger life. And, uh, it's, it's incredibly complex. It really is. It's, 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 and I feel so selfish as saying this, but it's like, I had a plan based off this Olympics and that's just for me professionally outside of the water, you know, like I wanted to do, I was um, slated to do the 2020 Olympic games live on deck MC. You know, I, I did it four years ago and I had a four year game plan. I want to be back. I want to be involved in the Olympics. And I was booking all these gigs leaving Florida. It's like, I'm not even an athlete in my world just got rocked, but it's based (laughs) off the Olympics, right? So it was like, I'm in that sphere and I'm not even doing the hard training. I'm like, dang, this sucks. And like what you said, it's like planning a family and that next chapter. And it's like, what do I do? Do I, do I push through trying to make the next Olympics? Like, do I get the call up again? You know? So it, like I said, I, it's, to me, it's really mind blowing for me to, it's hard for me to wrap my head around this, that we're literally every single human being is going 
through this because yeah. of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, it's there's crazy. not a lot of things that we go through as a um, as a planner. <laughs> right? Yeah, like literally, that is just it's 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 still hard for me to wrap my head around that. How has this uh, impacted the uh, International Swimming League and DC Trident in particular? Yeah. So again, our schedule was our, our meet schedule was completely based off the Olympics. We were going to start competing the second weekend of September, and you know we had a very action-packed. Like my team was racing like three weekends in a row in September, a weekend off in October, back to the grind, and you know we had a completely halt that we had 10 meets scheduled and now I'm actually really proud of ISL because I feel like they're one of the first professional leagues that got a backup plan like real quick they're like okay this is what we're going to do instead and having said that I don't even know if it can happen in October so right now they have a plan of going to a quote-unquote camp in October middle of October to the middle of November where all 10 teams would go this camp would be for training and competing all under one roof. And even if we can't have fans, we can still have broadcasting. I mean, people are just dying to watch sports right now. So the concept is, you know, this, this, this unity of all the teams together, but can we do that in October? Like, I don't, I don't even know if we'll be cleared to travel and what countries are going to be open. You know, right now the goal is to be in Australia. Um, that's 320 athletes, give or take. Uh, so we had to obviously restructure to support the athletes Olympic dreams and goals because season two was supposed to be post Olympics. Let's ride off this. You guys are in great shape. You have the, everybody's excited about sports and the buzz of swimming and let's ride off that momentum. Now it's like, okay, back to the drawing board. We haven't had the opportunity for these athletes to already go to the Olympic games or sorry, go to Olympic trials, go to Olympic games. So we still have to support them like we did last season. Financially, we want to help them be able to continue, not have to worry about, oh my gosh, how do I even afford to train for another year? Let alone half these swimmers can't even practice right now. So then we can find this training environment where they can all push each other and support each other and and, and as we talked about earlier, just asking some swimmers on my team, like, okay, I know your plan was to be done this year, but now are you going to keep swimming? Now, now do you want to be on DC Trident? Or some athletes being like, look, I can't go another year. Like I'm enrolled in school or, or I can't travel that much the end of this year because I need to, I need to be, you know, mind only focusing on the Olympic trials. So it is a mixed bag. You have some swimmers that as soon as this all kind of went crazy, you had two different types, types that were coming after, like so excited, can I be on your team, can I be on your team? It's almost like they needed something, like something that they could count on. And other swimmers being like, I, I have no idea what's going on right now. I can't commit to anything. So I think and that's a mental, you know, just a personality trait. Some people that need that next thing right away. Okay, what, what can I prep for? What can I be excited for? What can I get involved with? And some people being like, we don't even know what's happening. We don't even know we can get in a pool. We don't even know we can get on a plane, you know? So very much different uh, personalities, definitely. How does the uh, how does the GM role contrast with being an athlete and, and your time in the water? <laughs> well, I, it makes me very empathetic. I'm very. Um, I feel like I'm like the mother hen of all of them. They, it's last season they started joking like you're you're the best stage mom ever. <laughs> um, you know, but I'm, I'm very organized. I know what they need, um, so I think that part is great. But um, it's funny. It's obviously for me, it's completely different. It's, it's such a, a different profession per se, because I was mostly doing broadcasting and uh, modeling and writing a book and, and then 
you know, come over and I take over this professional swim team with 32 athletes. And what I love about it is that I truly believe that we are growing the sport and we're providing opportunities that haven't existed and didn't exist for me. I'm still super competitive. And sometimes I feel like I'm one of the swimmers because I'm so into it. I'm jumping up and down in the stands and I just want it so bad for us. Um, but then, you know, you have to be the organized one. You have to make sure that they have their passports and they're getting on the plane and they have their nutrition. And it's very much, you know, I don't want to say mother hen, but it is, you know, you're taking care of them. They're still, even though they're professionals, they're, they're still young adults. Making sure that their priority is, that's my top concern as their, their health, their safety, their well-being, um, just that they are feeling comfortable in a very new league and that we're doing everything that keeps them in line for their ultimate goals, their big picture goals in the sport. Yeah. You mentioned being in the stands and, uh, and sort of cheering them on or jumping up and down <laughs> when, at, those, at those peak moments. And I, I wonder, is it, um, what's that experience like for you in terms of not being able to directly impact the outcome? <laughs> <laughs> you think if I don't yell loud enough, it doesn't do anything? <laughs> oh, uh, that's indirect. That's indirect. I said directly. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard because I am so still very competitive. And I, it's funny because I don't really swim that much, but I'm like, I, you know, I can still maybe hang in there. Or I look at the times they're going and compare myself. I'm like, where would I stack up on this? So there's some swimmers I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I don't have to race her. And then there's some I'm like, oh, maybe I could still have a shot in this. You know? <laughs> I can take her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In my prime. Uh, but no, it, it's been the, the best part is just connecting with this generation and staying involved in the sport. And, it, you know, this is a sport that did so much for me and I'm so grateful to it. But, you know, it's a sport that's popular every four years. And then it kind of just it disappears, quote unquote. It's, it's not that we're not racing. I mean, swimmers have a schedule that just never stop. It just doesn't get the exposure. So if I can be a, a tiny little part in helping this sport grow and develop and be more than just an Olympic sport that happens every four years, I'd be really thrilled with that, you know, and just giving these, I, I keep saying kids or I always refer to them as kids, but they're not, but it's like, they are to me. Cause like when I was doing this, like I didn't have anybody trying to like get me some side money or, you know, get me monthly income just to keep swimming and making great prize money going to race and helping them build their brand or helping them learn how to like just um, market themselves well. And if I can just be that type of mentor for these athletes and help them ride their swimming career, maybe just a little bit longer, that that's what I'm setting out to do. That would be a r real big accomplishment for myself. Yeah. Yeah. You, um, you mentioned that you don't spend a ton of time in the water and um, <laughs> which I get based on your earlier comments about you when, you know, when you were done, you were done. Yes. Um, but you've started a new podcasting venture and <laughs> I'd love to hear about that. But, but my, my first question about it is, was this, was, was that initiative born out of um, the COVID sort of opportunity or was it something you were planning to do anyway? It was presented to me right about the time that this also the COVID started. Had it not been from COVID, I don't know if I would have had the time or like the mental capacity to take it on because of COVID and not being on airplanes and not as busy and ISL schedule, you know, really, um, you know, basically sliced in half, if you will. I was like, all right, I got a little extra time right now. And still sticking to that goal of mine of trying to 
build our sport and bring attention to swimming and specifically women's women's sports and women swimmers. Um, you know, swimming's a co-ed sport and they compete at the same time. They don't really have like a women's season and a men's season. And the opportunity to be with this podcast that highlights only women in sports. And then for me to be taking this women in, in swimming, I'm like, this is the perfect opportunity for me to A, try something new. I've never been on this side of, of the podcast. And B, to continue to try to highlight these women that want to keep swimming, you know, and get their word out there and help help them have a voice. Um, a lot of these women are just so intelligent and so insightful and so mature. And, you know, I thought it would be the perfect time for Beta Nelson, who I spoke, spoke about earlier, the defending NC2A reigning summer of the year. I bet a lot of people want to know how she felt when her senior year was just cut short and, you know, coming into an incredible year. And I thought that younger swimmers could learn from her and her out, outlook on it. And Amy Belquist, who's overcome tons of injuries and just keeps on pressing on, I think right now everybody needs inspiration and motivation and needs some type of pickup. And a lot of these coaches and swim parents are like, what can my kid do right now? How about this? How about you listen to this podcast and let it inspire you and motivate you. And, you know, having Cindy Gallagher on, who's been a coach for like 38 years. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, worried about how do I get into college and how do I swim in college? Like what better insight than to listen to Cindy for 35, 40 minutes. So, um, I was, I will say I was a little hesitant at first. I was like, I don't know. I've never really done it on that side of things. Um, but then I, I really had no excuse. I had the time and it aligns really well with, you know, what I'm passionate about. And I've really, really enjoyed it. I filmed four. Um, it's only supposed to be a six episode special, but the, the rate we're going, um, there's so many amazing women athletes that I, I would love to interview still. Do you see expanding it um, to athletes in multiple sports? It's funny you asked that. I actually was just having a conversation with the producer the other day. She's like, you know, you could do other sports, right? And I was like, yeah, you know, I do feel I, I, I love sports. I was a huge tomboy growing up and I'm still very passionate about um, sports. And I just think um, the more that we can, again, highlight women in sports and make them the role models, not the YouTube stars or the people on reality shows. And you know what I mean? Like yeah. if we can kind of tweak that quote unquote, mentor or star in people's life and have it be, you know, a positive role model for our younger generation to look up to. I, I would love to continue to highlight um, women in sports. Yeah. And so the podcast is called Behind the Blocks. Yes. And um, we will make sure that we link to it from thank the episode. you. And um, I thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate your point of view. And I appreciate you taking time out from uh, you know, overseeing the construction work that's going on in your, <laughs> in your neighborhood. <laughs> no, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. I was very honored to, to get the invitation. Thank you so much to Caitlin Sandino and congrats on your recent podcast launch. Thank you for listening to Spotlight On. Remember that we're available from Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all the other great podcast outlets. As always, Spotlight is produced and edited by Craig Snyder. And a big thank you goes out to Ant Taylor and the entire crew at Light. If you'd like to learn more about what we're up to at Light, visit lyte.com. 
And please keep your feedback coming to me. Reach out to me at lp at light.com. Please share this episode with a friend and leave feedback on your podcast platform of choice. It's a big help for us. Thank you so much. Be safe and stay in touch. Thank you.